This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Welcome to the Circuit of Success, and thank you for joining me. You know, it's been said that success comes to those who wait, but I believe the opposite. I believe that it's earned with the right attitude, a great belief system, and action every single day. When you mix that in with faith, courage, discipline, and most importantly, a vision, that's when greatness happens. Now let's dive right in to this week's guest. Welcome to the Circuit of Success podcast. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today we have the mental performance coach for the uh, Cleveland Browns and the Boston Red Sox. We have an author. We have a great guy, Justin Suha. How are you doing today, my friend? Doing great, Brett. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. It's great to have you here, man. And, you know, even though you do some work with the Red Sox, I'm in St. Louis. Um, you know, we, we've got some stuff with you guys. We, we're not going to talk baseball about that right now. But <laughs> I was at the game in 04 when you guys swept us, and, uh, you know, that was not good. But anyway. Very, very memorable, yeah, memorable moment for, for Boston. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely it was. So, so anyway, so uh, obviously I know your story, but our listeners out there don't know who Justin is. So why don't you just give our listeners a little taste of who you are, what's helped you become the man you are today, and, and what's cooking in your world. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just to, to make a, a long story short, basically born and raised in Los Angeles, California, uh, come from an immigrant father from the island of Samoa and a mother who didn't graduate high school. And uh, they went, my dad went on to play professional baseball and with the Dodgers and Milwaukee Brewers organization. And then when he got, he got injured and then they ended up opening up a, a multi, they were entrepreneurs to open up a multi-million dollar company, trucking company. And, and it's always, I always throw the fact that my mom didn't graduate high school because she went on to run a multi-million dollar company as a, as a CEO of that organization. And, uh, they sold the company, and so my dad can go do what he loves, which is back involved with baseball. So he's a baseball coach, and my mom goes to do what she loves, traveling to go see her kids and grandkids. And uh, yeah, I'm married with three children and been the mental performance coach uh, for the Boston Red Sox and the Cleveland Browns for a few years. And then before that, we did the same thing with the, with the military uh, wrote a couple of books, one for parents and one for youth, and I just really love just traveling and teaching and, and helping people be the best versions of themselves. And so it's a uh, it kind of was a lot of other details in, in there somewhere, but I'm sure we'll probably get to some of that. Absolutely. So let's talk. I mean, it wasn't on my list of questions here, but I'm fascinated about your parents. So what uh, what were the what were the two characteristics you think you would if you could say, Mom, Dad, here's the two things I learned from you. Uh, what it took to be successful. What did you see from your own eyes watching them be successful in their businesses? What was it? Respect and discipline. Respect and discipline. That was actually, it was overtly taught in our home, respect and discipline. And respect, not only respect for other people, uh, but respect for yourself, respect for your property, respect for the talents and the gifts that you've been given. And they were very... Uh, Again, like I said, over in teaching that, they taught us, hey, you respect other people, respect yourself, and and you value what you have to offer, and, and it was really neat to see that they were living examples of that. And the other one is discipline, and they were big, they, they weren't big on, they didn't talk much about, you got to be motivated, you, you just got to be disciplined. Do what you say you're going to do, even when you don't feel like doing it. And day in and day out, as I watched my parents come home from work just exhausted, and then they spent time to... to to go to our baseball games and to coach our baseball teams. And I could see as a young child like how busy dad was and how tired they looked, but they just had the discipline to do 
what successful parents do, to do what successful business people do. And, and especially my, my dad, he didn't start playing baseball until he got into college, until he was a junior in college and didn't even play his junior year. In his senior year, he led the nation in home runs and uh, then was picked up by the Dodgers. And so he, he didn't even grow up playing baseball. He's from, a, he's from a football country, American football country, growing up in Samoa. So just his story alone is just, just fascinating to me. And that's, that's the, the, the genetics and the DNA that I come from. Like you can do what you want. You can be what you want. Believe in yourself and work extremely hard, and you can do it. And uh, it was neat to have parents, to be blessed to have parents like that. Well, that's that's great. And I hope that if you haven't told them that, I hope you do. You can hear the passion. Oh, in 100% your, uh, all the time. Absolutely. You hear the passion in your voice when you talk about them. That's great. <laughs> so what's um, when you look at, and obviously we were not going to dive into specifics because you can't talk about those things and what you do with clients and stuff, but take it from the athlete, take it from the super successful business person. What are you finding? What We'll talk about my my circuits, I'm using air quotes, circuits of success. What are your quote circuits of success that you find bring out the best in people? Yeah, well, well, first and foremost, for me, I, it's neat to see, to be able to discover what is, what, what are the different levers, what everyone's wired differently. And I always get this, oh, so you're a motivational speaker. Well, I'd say, well, motivation is part of it, but you can have someone who's highly motivated but lacks, lacks focus, and they're not going to perform at a high level. You can have someone who's super focused, but they lack confidence. And so we're going to go and we're going to help. We're going to identify, okay, what can we do to help them with confidence? And you can have some with all those things, but they don't perform well under pressure or under stress. And so, okay, that's a different, that's a different series or a different cluster of performance strategies that they need to work on. And so I, for, for me, what I've seen, it all starts with self-awareness. I, those who know themselves, they know their strengths, they know their weaknesses, they know what drives them, they know what they what their fears are. Uh, it's, it's hard to change what you're not aware of. And I found the elite athletes who I work with day in and day out, they're very self-aware. And they go all in on their strengths. They, they, they're not worried that, that they have, that they don't try necessarily to, to strengthen their weaknesses. They want to just get their weaknesses to a point to where it's not debilitating them, doesn't hurt the team and hurt themselves, but they go all in, double down on their strengths. So I think self-awareness is, is up there, if not number one. Um, another thing that comes up a lot is this their, their, uh, their confidence, their supreme confidence. And confidence is a very, uh, it's a very interesting topic because what I see in, in my field is there are many times where these athletes don't have confidence. I've seen guys who literally will go up to the box and they come back like, I had no confidence in my ability to get a hit, but I hit a home run. I have no confidence in my ability to throw a a curveball this game, my my secondary pitches, but you know what? I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do it. And what I see that elite athletes are able to do, not only do they have confidence in their stuff and their talent, but they have confidence in their ability to compete no matter how they feel. And so that's another part of confidence. I think we always talk about believing in yourselves, but I think great athletes are able to perform at a high level even when their stuff isn't, they don't have their A game. Right. And so they have their confidence in their ability to uh, to learn from failure. And I think that's a, learning from failure is another one as well. They just they just can learn from it. They, they use it as data and they bounce back. Um, if, we can, if we can label it resilience, they're just super resilient. Um, another one is focus. I think they are elite athletes are truly focused. Not only macro, big focus on the purpose, but micro focus. They can focus on the moments and on the presence and what they can control. And then finally, I mean, they can perform under pressure. These guys, they have, they have strategies and tools and routines on how to perform under pressure. And a lot of them, they do it inherently. 
They didn't never had a mental coach, never had a psychologist, never had a life coach. It's just they just have learned through trial and error and teaching each other and teaching themselves. And uh, they're just able to focus so well on the present moment that they're able to perform, not just perform well under pressure, but they thrive under it. They love it. And uh, just right off the top of my head, those are the big ones that uh, just kind of blueprint foundational foundational pieces of elite performance that I've seen through my experience. So, yeah, let's talk about the self-awareness for a minute. So you got the successful person right now. They're in the business world. They're listening to this and they think, okay, that's great. I, I think I'm self-aware, right? But how do you, how are they becoming more self-aware? And then once they are, what are they doing with that? Yeah, I think part of self-awareness is, is, is checking your ego at the door. Understanding, I mean, there's so much research out there that shows, I mean, we live in the world of, of the self-esteem movement, which started back in the 70s, 50s, uh, back in the 50s, and just got stronger and stronger, where people are seeking validation. They'd rather have a coach or a manager or a boss or social media to tell them how great they are instead of telling them how to get better. And research shows that these elite athletes, the better they get, the closer they get to mastery, these guys don't want to be told they're great. They don't want to be told, oh, that's a great swing. Oh, that was a – and obviously, aside of – I don't want to say they never want to be. Obviously, that, that's good. But what they really seek for is how can I get better? They want more of that critical feedback, okay, that, that 1%, that fraction of a percent on how to improve. And so I think one of the ways they become self-aware is they surround themselves by great coaches who are, have a great eye, a keen eye for improvement, uh, not for someone as, as a normal fan, couch fan, to, to look and say, oh, wow, you're great, you're wonderful. They want someone, okay, every batting practice, after every rep, every every game, okay, this is what you need to do to get better. So self-awareness, if I'm a business professional listening to this, you've got to surround yourself by people who, yes-man people, who are just going to tell you you're great and pat you on the back. You want someone who, number one, you really value what they have to say. Number two, they are competent themselves. They have an eye on what to look for. And number three, you're able to, they're able to give you feedback in a way that's so tactful. So, and I don't want to say gentle, but in a way it is gentle to your, to your own ego to be able to say, hey, to be able to tell you in a way that is easy, easy to digest to where it doesn't break you down and get you overly emotional. It takes a special person and some humility on your end, on, on, the, on a person's end to do that. And so I think athletes, that's how you develop self-awareness because I think we lie to ourselves so much and uh, we, we drink our own Kool-Aid and we, and we read our own headlines and, and we're just not really aware of, of, of how we are being perceived by other people. And I think these athletes are, are surrounded by coaches who have been there, done that. And uh, even though it's not easy to easy pill to swallow sometimes, that's why I believe they're so self-aware uh, because they have people who are constantly pushing them, making them better. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And I think that, that the whole point of checking your ego at the door is a big deal, especially if you're... Not surrounded by yes, yes, man, yes, men, whatever, uh, yes, women. Uh, right. I don't have that at work, and so it's great. You got to check the check the ego out because they're going to give you feedback sometimes you don't want to hear. Which is good. Right. So uh, let's talk about. You know, everybody wants to talk about their successes, right? So let's let's maybe go back in your life a little bit, whether that was yesterday or ten years ago. You know, what's what's maybe one of the biggest challenges you've had in your life, and and what did you do to overcome that? Wow, so many, so many. Uh, in terms of challenges or, or failures or both? Yeah, all the above. I mean, one moment you look back. Yeah, I, I think just the one right off the top of my head just because it's so fresh in my mind. I mean, I'm, I, I work with two 
high-level sports teams, the Boston Red Sox, the Cleveland Browns, the NFL, Major League Baseball, and they're very demanding. One is very demanding. So one's in Boston, one's in Cleveland, and my wife and my children are at home. <laughs> and so there's only so many hours in the day, so many days of the month, and one of the biggest challenges that 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 quote unquote work life balance. Now I'm throwing the arrow quotes up on my end now, <laughs> and the reason I throw those air quotes up there is because the reality is there there is no balance. They, when you're with the family, it's with the family, and, and the challenge has been and continues to be nothing. I value nothing more important than being a husband and a father. Like hands down, over everything. However, that can be rocked sometimes or, or that my cage can be rattled sometimes when I go and I spend seven days with the team or when I'm at home and then I get a phone call from a, from a player or someone from the front office. And and that is that constant challenge where, it's, where I'm looking at my mind and, and said, hey, am I, am I doing the right place? Am I where I need to be? And I'm constantly and I've gotten better over time. I've gotten better over 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 the years that I've continued to do it and um, and being where my feet are. But I mean, there are so many failures and challenges I've had, but as you ask that question right now at this moment, that has been the one that's on my mind. So that's the one that comes to, comes to the forefront when you initially ask that question. And so constantly battling just the, the rush of am I, am, I, am I where I need to be? Is my, am, I, am I being a good father? Am I being a good husband? And am I being great for the Red Sox? Am I being great for the Cleveland Browns? And so that got constant pendulum swing from one thing to the other um is a challenge yeah well it's especially because i mean i can go home at night and shut it down right and be engaged with the family but and i don't know this to be true but i would assume at that level they don't care if it's nine o'clock at night or eight o'clock at night if they need to chat they need to chat you hit the nail on the head you hit the nail on the head absolutely and i mean our games professional baseball games start at nine o'clock seven o'clock games are over at 10 11 sometimes 12 and that's when we have our conversations. Um, sometimes, yeah, football games are happen on Sunday and we're at church. And so it's, it's, you're right. It's this constant ebb and flow of a balancing act. And you just want to be great at everything you do. You want to be great at what you do and be available. And uh, so, yeah, that's just a constant battle that not just myself, but those who are in my field who, who have, to, have to go for it. And, and I, not even in my field. I bet any professional is constantly battling the work-life sure. balance issue, so to sure. speak. Sure, absolutely. So let's talk about the habits and rituals. Obviously, I'm, a, I'm assuming you're a, a big, huge believer in those. And so, you know what I know of you, you got high energy, positive, all of those things. And obviously, it doesn't happen 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. But what are you doing? Like what, you know, you get up in the morning, what are your habits, rituals throughout your day to stay positive, yeah. stay motivated, stay inspired and give back to others? Right, right, right. I'm a huge fan of go-to people and go-to habits. Go-to be sort of making sure I surround myself by people who are fountains and not drains, fountains of energy, fountains of optimism, fountains of positivity, as opposed to drains. They suck the life out of a room and drain the positivity. And so I, and these people are my family and kids and people who I'm around. So I, I, I identify who my go-to people are. And then go-to behaviors, these, these behaviors that uplift me, refresh me, that no matter what, no matter where I am, uh, I mean, I mean, I'm in a different city. I'm in four different, five different cities in one week. I'll wake up and look around and literally have no idea what city I'm in. I'm like, which team am I with? What city, right. what city right. am I in right now? And so early in my career, 
I would just get thrown off. I would start to gain weight. I would start to struggle because I just had no routine. And so to start to develop these keystone habits, so to speak, that no matter what part of the country, what part of the world I am at, at any given time, I can wake up and I can do those things. And so some of those things for me, it is reading good books, uh, whether it be a, a book that can help me in my profession, any kind of a leadership book, cognitive theory book, uh, any anything with a mental side, leadership, any, anything like that. For me, it's the reading the good word, the reading the scriptures. That right there is my number one, making sure that I'm connecting with God, I'm a man of faith and, and prayer, I'm vi- that's huge for me. Um, and then being, getting a workout in. I mean, getting a workout in, with, it's, whether it be CrossFit, whether it be anything, and I used to be really rigid on that, okay, it has to be a very specific workout, but there'll be moments where I don't have a gym. There'll be moments where I, I have no, I literally have no time to go because my schedule is completely different. So it is push-ups, it is air squats, but it's something to make sure that, okay, that I get, that I get in. But the thing that tops it all off is sleep. I make sure that I get sleep. I, I hear, I mean, we live in this world now where uh, we get this praise for, for waking up at three in the morning and waking up at four in the morning. It's become this thing that's in vogue right now. And, and I'm all for that. I mean, I, I'm all for winning the morning. I always say you got to win the morning. But for me, win the morning, you, you win the morning whenever you wake up. For me, sleep is huge. Like sleep, getting optimal sleep and whatever optimal for for you, for the audience member, that's what's most important because there are moments where I got caught up in that. I'd wait, I'd try to be, hey, let me be like so-and-so. Let me let me wake up at three o'clock in the morning, one, two, two, and it just wasn't working for me. It may work for some other people, but I don't prescribe it for others. I always say, hey, do what works for you. And so optimizing sleep, especially when I was with the military, being with elite performers, one of the number one performance enhancers is sleep. Mm. And so I'm not a big fan of, of sacrificing sleep to, uh, to go work out and go read. Right. And, and again, it might work for some people, but for myself, it does not. And for elite performers, these athletes I'm working with, they, we make sure that they get optimal sleep in. Yeah. Well, I think it's to stay successful for a long term. I think you can, you can do that for a while. Right. But, but for long term sustainability, right. I mean, you look at a Tom Brady who's what, almost 40 years old and doing what he's doing. Right. I would imagine that guy, besides eating and working out, he probably does a, a great job with sleep sleep habits. So when you think about um, the word success, what, what comes to mind? How do you define success? That's really interesting. Yeah, uh, I've heard so many different definitions of success. And to adopt my own definition, if I were to lay my head down at night, um, a successful day is a day that I can look myself in the mirror and honestly say that I focus on what I can control and gave my absolute best on what I had that day. And that's, that's success. And as, as I focus on giving my best every single day, the results end up taking care of themselves. I used to focus my success on more results-oriented things. And when you do that, just even athletes, when you focus on, on just winning, which winning is important. We all want to win. That's why we play this game. Um, when you when you win, if you just focus on that, that can be a hit to your your motivation, your drive, your focus. When winning, when 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 wins don't come, and so that's why I'm a big proponent. I'm a huge fan of focusing success being defined by giving your best in your circle of influence, circle of control. So, what would you tell the person that's out there right now? Again, they're listening to this and they're thinking. Gosh, I want to make a difference. I want to make a dent in the universe, but I, I just don't know where to start. What, what, yeah. would you, what would you tell them? 
I would, first of all, I'd say, you know what? You're not alone. You are not alone. We live in a world right now where it's so easy to look at other people who are further along than you and to really kind of get discouraged to say, to say, wow, look at so-and-so with all their quote unquote followers on Instagram. Look at so-and-so with all their books. Look at where do I start? What I love about the world we live in now is that because of the tools of the internet and, and things like medium.com where you can write blog posts is you can start right now. And what I would tell that person is just to start small. The key to success, I think, to, to feel like you are succeeding is momentum. And going with Newton's laws of physics, a body in motion tends to stay in motion. And to get going, it's all about those small, tiny little wins. And so if, if a person's trying to get in shape, instead of worrying about oh, which fitness program, what kind of workout do I do, what kind of clothes do I wear, which gym, it's like, no, just go for a walk around the block and do it every day until it turns into a jog and do it every day until it starts to evolve. I, I really think that people start experiencing this paralysis by analysis. I want to make a dent in the world, but where do I start and who do I start with? What I would say is depending on, on who you are, what you're trying to do is to just go, just, just go. And, it, and it's, it's so broad to too much to give a specific example, but the example I'll give is myself. So in 2011, is when I decided that, okay, I wanna make a dent in this world in the field of sports psychology. 2011, so six years ago. And I knew nobody. I had no followers on Instagram. It wasn't even really around. I think it was, I didn't have it. I had just had Facebook, I had Twitter, zero, nothing. I knew nobody, nothing. And I said, you know what, let me just go start. And so I started going around like little 10 year old baseball teams and hey, can I teach a mental skill session? And I'll never forget my first mental skill session and teaching 10 year olds. And then it moved into high school volleyball players and then it moved into cheerleaders. And then it, all of a sudden it moved into a, a client on Dancing with the Stars and then it moved into businesses and then it moved into the army, then it moved into the Red Sox then it moved into the Cleveland Browns. And now I'm traveling the world and speaking to a number of, I'm trying to help out some of the best athletes in the world. But, if it, but it all started with one tweet. You know what? I'm going to tweet every day. And I, you know what? I'm going to put an article out once a week. And the only people who were liking and sharing my article were, were my family members and my grandma. She was on my business page. And hey, this is so great, Justin. Are you coming to Thanksgiving dinner? I'm like, grandma, this is my business page. And, and, right. and that's how it started for me. And it was slow. And I just knew that, okay, you know what? I'm going to stick with this. I think the person who's asking, where do I start? I think they get overwhelmed by the journey. They underestimate how hard it's going to be and how long it's going to take. And it, it's, it's difficult. It is hard. When I was growing up, I wanted to be nothing more than a professional baseball player. And I went as far as I could go. I played college baseball at BYU. And then I read the writing on the wall. Justin, it wasn't going to work out. And so I pivoted. And I went into being a sports broadcaster. I got my bachelor's degree in sports broadcasting. I went all in on sports broadcasting until I did my internship in NBC Sports Los Angeles. And I hated it. Didn't want to do that. Hmm. So then I went into teaching. And I was a high school teacher for five years. And I loved it. And I was going. I was like, I'm going to be the best, uh, best teacher I can be. I'm going to be a university professor someday. And then I just started to get burned out. I didn't enjoy it as much. And that's where I found sports psychology. And I got my degree, master's degree in that. And then, I mean, I've been, I've been on this train for the past six years and I'm going all in. But I do know this, that there may be a time I pivot again. 
and and I don't know when, I don't know how, but I'm gonna go all in on this. But what I've seen as I look back and connect the dots, I went all in on baseball, I went all in on broadcasting, I went all in on teaching, and now I'm all in in sports psychology and performance and leadership consulting, but I'm giving all of my heart to it. But I never once stopped and said, oh, what if this doesn't work out? I just went all in with what I had. And my son, he stopped playing baseball once and he went into football. I forgot what exactly what the story was, but he says, uh, I want to be, I want to be, uh, I want to, it's okay to quit because dad's a quitter. I'll never forget it. He goes, dad, dad, you quit in a lot of things. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean dad quits? Because yeah, I remember you used to work with the military and then you quit. And then you work with the place called IMG Academy and then you quit. And then you work with the, then you like, he said, you're going to do baseball and then you quit. And I taught him, I said, son, I said, no, daddy never quit. He pivoted. I just pivoted. I kept following my same dream. I kept following my passion where, where I followed where, where my heart was leading and where my effort was leading. And I just pivoted and he's like, oh, I mean, he probably doesn't remember it, nor did he understand it, the concept, because he was so young. But uh, but that's what I'd tell. I mean, it's a long-winded answer to such a simple question, but I would tell that person, just go, number one. And if they think, well, what? I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to do it. I'd just say, just start small. Whatever you are, just start small and stick with it and just go and you'll figure it out along the way. Well, I think the key part to that is all that stuff is you started at a 10-year-old baseball game talking about mental performance, right? So you got to humble yourself enough to say, okay, I'm literally going to drive across town and talk to a bunch of 10-year-olds and that's how I'm going to start my career. That's a great point. We always tell our athletes to dominate the level you're at. Dominate the level you're at. Everyone dreams of getting to major leagues. But you're not going to get to major leagues as a as a recent sign sign draft kid out of high school. Dominate short season ball, then dominate A ball, then dominate B ball. A lot of times people will look to the future and say, "I want to get there." They want to be there now, and we're like, "No, just dominate where you are." And then when you do get there, when you do, you have all the tools, you'll have all the skill sets necessary for you to thrive when you do get there. Yeah. And I think that's in not even realizing. I think you you just helped me realize that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to dominate where I was. Hey, I'm going to do, be the best at working with 10-year-olds as I can. I'm going right. to be the best at working with high schoolers that I can. And as I slowly got better and better, um, my skill set slowly got better and better and able to work with um, with some of these elite athletes. Well, and those 10-year-olds, uh, they all dream of doing and being where the, the people you're working with now. But I think we, I just wrote it down, dominate the level you're at. That's very profound. And, and just for any of us, right, that are listening to this, I mean, think about wherever you are in your life right now and dominate it. Right. And I'll say it to my kids, right? We're going to go dominate the soccer game. We're going to go dominate whatever it is. Let's do it. So that's, that's awesome. So let's talk about the circuit of success. Let's talk about attitude. So uh, when you hear the word attitude, what comes to mind? It's a choice. I hear it. I hear it. It's a choice. I I hear I really believe that the attitude that you decide to walk out of your house with in the morning is one of the most important decisions you can make every single day. And even, I used to back it up, the most the attitude you decide to have when you get out of bed could be the most important. You could put on the attitude like you put on your shirt. And um, I think that is huge because it will impact everything. Your attitude impacts everything, your perception, your focus, how you view scenarios, how you view a threat or an opportunity. It's its everything. So I, I, I love that. Well, I, I couldn't be more in sync with what you just said. That's how when I give my talk, The Circuit of Success, that's exactly what I say. Just said it to a group last week of 40 entrepreneurs, and it's its a choice every single morning. Victor, victim, 
you choose before your feet even hit the ground out of the bed. But with that, so your attitude, that search for success, then there's this thing called rejection before you get to what the top right looks like in the circuit is, uh, is beliefs, which we'll get to in a second. But you can choose, Justin can have a great attitude today, but you could get a phone call, an email, something, right? And you're going to get some rejection that's going to try to change that attitude you just chose. Right. Mm. But in my belief, it comes back to the beliefs that you have to have to be successful. What are your beliefs? Obviously, you talked about it earlier. God, that's one of them. That's one of mine. Right. What are the other beliefs that you have to have to be successful? I believe the belief that you can change is huge. Like you can change. And it's, it's very simple, but it's very profound. And that's essentially the growth mindset that Carol Dweck talks about. I've stand for implicit theories. Uh, you can change. And I think just understanding that, knowing that you can change. And kind of a, a, a 1A is, is you are always under construction. I am always under construction. I think if you, that, that you can change, also you can improve, you can get better. I think if you believe that deep down in your heart, that is some, that's encouraging to know that you are not a finished product right now. You're, you're always under construction. And so any failure, you can use it as feedback. Any kind of um, criticism, constructive criticism you get, you can use that and become better. And I think that is a fundamental belief uh, that, that, that we, people need to have if they want to be successful is, is number one, attitude is a choice. Number two, that you can change. Um, and well, I think to interrupt, sorry to interrupt, but that, you just said that belief that you can change is huge. And I agree. You know, one of my biggest pet peeves is when somebody says, well, that's just the way I am. Mm. That drives mm. me nuts. Right. Me too. No, it's not just the way you are. It's the way you are right this second. Right. But you can't change. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, it's. I believe that's it's it, that's um, that's uh, it's easy to say. It takes no accountability um, to say that. That's just the way I am. I mean, and, and honestly, there are some people who truly believe that. But to help them see, like, no, you can improve and you can change and you can work on it. And uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you on that one. So those are your beliefs. What are your uh, the next thing I would say? Then belief down to your actions. But you got to have faith, right? In in so many things, I could tell you, Justin, if you do A, B, and C, you're going to be successful, right? And you're a guy that's going to say, okay, I'm going to go do A, B, and C because Brett said it's successful. We have a relationship. I trust him. All right, I'm going to do that. But you have to have faith, right? So. Yeah. You got your beliefs, you get your faith, and then that leads to actions. What are the actions that you got to do every single day in the business world to be successful? What are yours? Mm. For me, actions every single day, it goes, it's, it's neat because it correlates exactly to those go-to habits that I mentioned. Uh, getting good sleep, reading good books, eating well, working out, and, and just really cultivating my relationship with my wife and my kids. If I do those things, honestly... Those, everything else falls into place. Yep. I'm sharp. I'm in tune. I'm, I am alert. I'm ready. I'm prepared. Those are my main actions. And I do them whether I feel like them or not. Whether, whether you feel like it or not, I really believe that that is, that is true action and action. Ac, action uh, uh, habits and action is when you're able to do it even when you don't feel like it. Because, yeah, I have days where I don't feel like it. I have days where I don't want to do it. But I know... Because of past history that when I keep doing these things, these are the things that help me put my mind, my body, my spirit in the right position to, to be successful. Yep. And those are, my, those are my go-to actions. And then anything else that comes from it, the way I work with my athletes, the way I work with my teams, all these ideas, 
they all flow because I'm in the right state, whether it be attitudes, uh, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, with my family, uh, everything else flows from those go-to habits. Couldn't agree more. Again, and I I always talk about action breeds action, right? So the days I don't want to do something or I know I need to make a few phone calls and I don't want to do it, but it's like if I just pick up that phone one time, it's amazing how easy it is to pick it up that second time. Oh, true. That's right. so true. You build that, you build that, that muscle that, right. Exactly. It's a little exactly. easier. So then we got our actions and then it takes courage and discipline every single day, right? To do those things. It, it takes courage to pick up the phone. And I think these guys probably called you, but let's just assume they did not for a second. Let's play that out. It would take courage to pick up the phone and call the Cleveland Browns and say, I'm your guy, right? Right. I'm your guy. Here's why. And make it takes courage. It takes discipline to do the things you got to do every day. And then ultimately it leads to the results that we get and you've right. gotten the results. And then that top finish, you know, that goes back up to attitude again now is there's a new vision. Yeah. So when I, if I was interviewing the Justin from six years ago, there's a different vision you had then than you have now. So let's talk about that. What's the world you're living in now? What's it, what's it transpired to be today? The visions that you have for the future. So my visions for the future, it's really interesting because if you were to ask me six years ago, Six years ago, Justin, you were going to have written three books. You're going to have worked with some of the top athletes. You're going to be with the Red Sox, maybe the Browns. I didn't even know that those opportunities would have presented themselves. And so it's neat that that has happened as I think about the future. Now I'm just like, wow, what what are the possibilities? And so what I see as a future holding is just providing an opportunity for people who want to do what I do. I really want to be able to provide that opportunity for the next wave of, of mental skills coaches to provide more opportunities, maybe in the NFL or NBA or Major League Baseball, to provide more opportunity to the lay audience, maybe a, a few other books uh, out there to help to help people in need, uh, maybe to create something online to, to, to help people go. I, I know that those are all on things that I've written down, hey, that would be great, someday be a university professor and a, and a teach uh, a number of upcoming uh, practitioners who to to help them, give them my past experiences and help them grow. But that's what I see. And ultimately, I see more time with my family. <laughs> I really see just just be yep. able to be home more. And uh, that right there is as my kids start to enter high school and uh, I see more of my goals are aligning less with my business side and more with my family side, coaching my son's baseball team and being at all my daughter's uh, recitals and dance competitions. That's, that's where that, that's what really gets me excited. I like it. You probably see hopefully a private jet in the future, right? So you can get to these. Oh, places. that'd be really nice. Yeah, right. <laughs> that'd be really nice. Yeah. 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 Out, be home, be back at practice, right? Go give us. Right. Hey, I like, I like that idea. I like that. <laughs> so think big if we're going to do it, right? Right. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so um, let's talk about fear for a second and, and whether it's yourself or, or these athletes and we don't need specific stories, but um, and our listeners are, they, they know where I'm going with this, but what about fear in success? What role does that play, do you believe? I've heard athletes where fear fuels them. Fear of failure is the very thing, is the very reason they work so hard. It's the very reason they, they crush in the gym. The reason they eat so well is because they're afraid that they're going to fail. And I've seen those who, at, at the younger ages or younger um, uh, lower levels and amateur athletes, where fear paralyzes them 
where fear, it doesn't drive them. It happens to go the opposite. They don't want to mess up. They don't want to fail. So they completely abandon it. Myself, the way the way fear is manifest in me, it's more of the, the former where anytime fear comes in and, and we're human. So I, I'm very aware of where fear comes from. I'm aware how it can uh, trigger the amygdala, the fight, flight, or freeze uh, response. I'm, I'm aware of, and, and I notice that in myself, whenever I have this fear of approaching an athlete or fear of I might may, may mess up or fear, I know where I feel it in my body. I feel it in my chest. I feel it in my stomach. And then I pause and then I look at it. I say, okay, is this coming from me? Am I looking at best case scenario or am I, is my focus so narrow that I'm only looking at the, the negative evidence on how it might not work out? So I literally mull through it to activate that prefrontal cortex just to kind of provide evidence against it. Anytime people are experiencing fear, uh, we always say that we want to throw three things at it, POE. The first thing we want to throw is, is P, change the perspective. Am I looking at it through the right, what lens am I looking at it? Uh, what's another perspective I can take a look at it? Uh, the O stands for optimistic, optimism. Is there a more optimistic way I can see it? And it's a close cousin to the perspective, but what's an optimistic way I can, I can take a look at this, a more optimistic way to view it? And the E is evidence. How can I provide evidence against this fear? What Have I done this in the past? Have I done something more difficult than this? What, what's the evidence that the worst case scenario isn't going to happen or or evidence that I'm going to be okay even if worst case scenario happens? And as I use that framework and I look at my fears through that lens or teach people to look at it through that lens, generally it'll be diminished because we've looked at the, at the monster head on. Uh, it's diminished and we'll be able to take action. Or if we look at it and say, you know what? No, that's not going to be the best way to look at it. Uh, best thing to do. Let's do another route. And so those are that's the lens. That's what I like to do with fear. Fear is it can be a fuel, uh, and it, I think fear is like fire. It can cook your food. It could provide heat. But if you can't control fire, it's going to burn you down. Mm. And I think fear is the same way with some people. Some guys, it drives them. Fear is a, definitely a driving force. Uh, for the good or for the bad for many people. Right. And I think too, and the, the follow-up question to that is always, and again, look at it from your life or the things you hear these these top-level athletes think about, oh, I'm going to strike out five times tonight or whatever it may be. How many of the fears that you've put into your own mind have actually come true to the magnitude you thought they would be fears? A lot of times the story that we're telling ourselves is is worst-case scenario. And a dear friend of mine is uh, John Gordon. And um, and I believe he was one of your guests, yeah, if, if I'm not yep, mistaken. Yep, yep. John, great guy. And I don't know if he shared this story, but he told me the story of a friend of his or someone he knows uh, who who told him the key to life is stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. And I'll never forget that when John yep. taught me that. Stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. And I think those who are consumed with fear, it's, they're constantly listening to themselves. This story, these these gremlins that are just painting this worst case scenario. And we know from the thought performance interaction, your thoughts will trigger emotions, which will impact how you your your a somatic response, a physical response, and then it will impact your performance. And but on the flip, on the on the other end is is to be able to tell the story. Hey, you know, and you're right. Uh, the, this worst case scenario that we paint in our mind, three things happen. Number one, chances are it will not happen. And the second one is when it does happen, you're like, okay, it's not as bad as I thought. Oh, I did strike out four times. Okay, wow, I'm still alive. Right. I'm still breathing. We have another game tomorrow. I met. It's funny. So I was working with a guy, uh, a baseball player. He said when he was in the minor leagues. He's worst case scenario in baseball is a strikeout four times in a game. Yep. The golden sombrero. Like that is the worst. 
he struck out four times in the game, but the game went extra innings, and then he hit the game-winning home run. Now he's a hero. And then he's a hero. And and I said, what did you learn from that? He goes, I just learned that things can change. I can go from having the worst day in the world to being the hero, and don't get caught up in the highs and lows, the peaks and the valleys of just, hey, it is what it is. Take it as it is. Just roll with the ebbs and flows and just roll with it. Don't get all, don't wrap your identity up in failure. And and if you do, if you don't get wrapped up in it, it's not going to have power over you. And uh, it's such a powerful lesson. And I think that's it's a great lesson for, for myself and for all of Absolutely. us. Absolutely. So let's, let's go back to that, Justin, that's, you know, 10 years younger, eight years younger, whatever the number is that you're doing X, Y, and Z. And that person right now that can you know, connect with that, they're in their quote unquote normal job but they want to make a difference. And now here you are making a, a difference on a huge platform. What would you give yourself advice to, you know, eight, 10 years ago? What advice would you give yourself? I would tell myself to stop worrying about what other people think. And I remind myself, Justin, it's your journey. It's your journey. And don't let the opinions of others dictate the path you choose. And these opinions of others could be people, not just people on social media, but it could be your own family members could be your own professors and advisors and and just trying to make people happy. And there were so many times where I experienced paralysis by analysis because I cared so much about what other people thought. What are they going to think about this tweet? What's my professor going to think about this Instagram post? What are my cohort, what's my cohort going to think? Other sports psychologists out there going to going to think, are they going to judge me? Are they, and I would be just paralyzed by it just and not do anything i wouldn't be happy because if i would there's so many opportunity i think it just slowed me down early on it slowed me down um eventually i ended up working through it but if, if i could tell myself early on hey you're gonna justin you're gonna get these feelings and that's normal it's natural but it's your own path and just go just go just focus on what makes you happy you're not trying to hurt anybody you're you're doing your absolute best just go and that would be the exact advice I needed to hear for myself because I'm very ambitious and I do have this entrepreneurial uh, thread in me and a lot of things that I do and a lot of my techniques and strategies are, are not traditional to what we learn in school. I just kind of go with the flow and based on things that I've learned in, in other aspects of my life as a teacher and as a broadcaster and I would second guess myself. I'd be like, oh, is this right? But, um, but man, if I could go back and if I had would have someone tell me, Justin, hey, this is all normal, just go, just do it. That would have accelerated things for me a little bit. I like it. So we talk a lot about experiences, life's about experiences and creating them. What's, what's next on uh, the bucket list for you and your family? Getting more family vacations. I think that's next on the bucket list. <laughs> Getting a family vacation. Yeah. Um, I think I, in terms of professionally, that's take what I am doing with these pro athletes and to provide something for everyone, everybody else. Taking these very same principles we're using, them, we're using for them and to provide it for the world. That, that's, that's a bucket list opportunity. Obviously, I mean, it goes without saying, a World Series championship and a Super Bowl. Like those are like the hands down, that's why we do it. Like, that, that's like, we want to win, obviously, and, um, but we want these guys to play the best they can. And so family-wise, more vacation, professionally, create something for everyone else besides the athletes I'm working with. So tell us about your podcast and tell us where our, tell our guests, uh, guests where they can find more of, uh, of you. I'm on social media, uh, really primarily uh, Twitter and Instagram at Justin Sua, J-U-S-T-I-N-S-U-A. And as far as my podcast is every single day, 
every weekday rather, Monday through Friday. I've been doing it for the past two years and it's called Increase Your Impact. Uh, what I personally like about it is that they're short, three to five minutes long every day. It's some, it's, I did it for the athletes in mind. Uh, they don't have time to listen to, I really like um, Jocko Willink and Tim Ferriss and all these guys, yeah. sometimes with like two hour long podcasts. And the reality is elite athletes, you performers, they don't have a lot of time to sit and listen to all that stuff. Right. And so I just wanted to create something for them as they're driving to the facility. And some of them live so close to the facility, it's only like three to five minutes away. So I thought, you know what, let me make something for that little window of time. And um, it's neat to, to, to be able to hear that other people are listening to it as well. And so, yeah, the Increase Your Impact podcast every weekday, three to five minutes long, something that's pretty quick and to the point. Well, I've heard them. They're great stuff. So for our listeners, check them out. Also check out uh, Justin at Justin SUA at Instagram and on Twitter. My friend, it's been great spending time with you and uh, really appreciate you being on the circuit of success. Thank you so much. Really appreciated your insight. I learned so much from you as well. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Thanks, you too. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.